Welcome to the High Prices Church Podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now, here's lead pastor, Chris Sestar. Get your Bibles and turn to the first gospel, the gospel of Matthew chapter 4. And I told you, I've kind of been in a revivalistic, evangelistic mood, kind of still feeling that way. We've kind of been in a revival. It's been great, isn't it? I know I preached about that. All kinds of people can interpret what a revival is, but I just think when God's making things alive, I had a man meet with me this week who said, I shriveled up and died. And he said, then I came to this church and two Sundays ago, the Spirit of God flooded my soul. And he said, I'm alive again. I'm alive. And I said, you've had revival. That's revival, y'all. Matthew chapter 4, I've entitled this message, Stop Listening to the Devil's Lies. It's time to stop listening to the devil and listening to God. Matthew chapter 4, it's a story about Jesus, beginning in verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, that's the devil... He said, if you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But Jesus answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up into the holy city, that's Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said to him, It is written again, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again the devil took him up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, All these things I will give you, If you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan. For it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God. In him only you shall serve. And then the devil left him. That's some of the greatest words in the Bible. Then the devil left. The devil left. Then the devil left him. And behold, angels came. That might be better words. Angels came. The devil left and angels came and ministered to him. Say amen to the reading of the word. That's awesome. You can be seated this morning. We just celebrated the Christmas season last month. We talked about the incarnation, God coming in flesh. And as the incarnate Son of God, Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. I've tried to teach you through the years that the incarnation was never the subtraction of divinity or deity. It was the addition of humanity. Jesus never ceased being 100% God, but he took on the form of a man. And here's some things that I know about Jesus, the God-man. I know that he was spiritual. I read the Gospel of Luke chapter 4, chapter 3 right in there, and I know that he was spiritual because he was filled with the Holy Spirit He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. He was led by the Spirit. Hey, the Spirit led him into the wilderness to be tempted. I know that he did spiritual things. He was baptized in water. He prayed. He fasted. 
So he was a spiritual person. As the God-man, he did spiritual things. And he had the favor of God, number three. At his water baptism, the father said, this is my beloved son. He had the divine declaration that he was right with God in the sense that God was pleased with him. Not in a righteous sense, but in the sense that God was pleased with him. He had the favor of God. God was pleased with his lifestyle, with his obedience as the God-man. But now listen to me, brothers and sisters. He was God. He was the God-man. He was spiritual. He did spiritual things. He had the favor of his Father, and none of those things exempted him from an attack by the devil. Y'all see that? And if you are saved like Jesus, you are a spiritual person. You do spiritual things. You're doing one this morning. You came to church. You've been raising your hands and singing and saying hallelujah, praise the Lord. You're worshiping. You're doing spiritual things. You have the favor of God. You are a child of God. You're a son of God or a daughter of God. If you are born again, hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. I mean, come on. That's something to get excited about. And the reality, though, is that just like Jesus, in spite of the fact that you're saved, the reality is you are not exempt from the attacks of the enemy as well. You know, the devil doesn't care that you're a child of God. The devil doesn't care that you read your Bible and you pray. The devil doesn't care that you go to church. The devil doesn't care that you live right. He will come against you. Because he wants to destroy you, and he wants to destroy your faith in God, and he wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your children, your family, the church. That's the devil. And so here is what I've come with today. I'm preaching some out of my life. Now, I've, the Lord directs me, but, but I, I, I was... The Lord knows who he's using. He's using Chris the star, and God knows where I've been and what I've been going through. And so I think the Lord dealt with me and impressed on me and gave me the revelation that he did, the inspiration, if you will, because he also knows I can take where I've been and where I am and connect it today. And I've been talking to so many of you. I know where you are. So what I'm about to say should resonate with many of you. Listen to me. Satan will attack you especially when you are smack dab in the middle of a trying, difficult time in your life. Y'all found that to be true? You're already having a hard enough time. Because they're laying off at work and you backed out of the driveway and ran over the dog. And the air conditioning unit went out at the house. And you've got COVID for the fourth time. Oh, I could keep going, couldn't I? You're already having a hard enough time as it is. And then the devil shows up and hits you hard. Jesus had been fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. By the way, that can only happen by divine assistance. Y'all know that. You cannot go without water no water for longer than three days. You, you go beyond that, your body's going to shut down. You will die. So there's only a handful of people that ever did it. Moses did it. I think Elijah did it, and Jesus did it. And they all had divine help. So spiritually, 
you got to know that Jesus was strong. But physically, he was very weak. He had not eaten in 40 days. He was hungry. His fle- Watch this. His flesh was crying for attention. Because remember, he was the God, say it, man. Okay, y'all still with me? So Satan did not attack Jesus at the beginning of his fast. He waited until the end when Jesus' flesh would be most susceptible to his temptations and his lies. And brothers and sisters, you need to know that the devil will do the same thing to you. He will hit you when you are weak in your flesh. He will come against you when you are tired, when you are drained by the crisis or the challenges in your life. He will hit you when you are sick and you don't have the physical strength to fight back. He will hit you when you are fighting depression. He will hit you when you are fighting anxiety and panic attacks. He will hit you when someone has hurt you and you are suffering harm from someone and so you're dealing with hurt inside and you're trying to fight that and make sure that your heart's right and you're not doing the wrong thing and that devil will show up and say let's see what we can do with you trying to warn y'all Satan advanced against Jesus in two ways So, yeah I'm preaching about the devil but only because I want to warn you we'll give glory to Jesus in just a minute he came in two ways I'm teaching you I hope you're taking notes number one Satan came as a tempter in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 5 I'll not read it you can look you look it up later, but Paul identifies the devil as the tempter. He calls him the tempter. If you tempt someone, what do you do? Especially if you're a devil, you solicit that person to sin. That's the job. I want to get you to do the wrong thing. Through various means, his sales pitch to you is that you should give in to your fleshly desires and commit the sin and never mind about the consequences. Just in the moment, do what feels good. Are y'all hearing me? And his goal is to get you to sacrifice your spirituality for your carnality. His goal is to get you to act or speak in a way that is the opposite of who you are. And who, who am I? You're a child of God. He wants you to act a different way, like a child of hell. So he came as a tempter. The second thing is he came as a deceiver. I'm going I'm to I'm I'm expand on these in just a moment. He came as a deceiver. How many of you know the devil is a liar? Je- Jesus all but calls him that in John 8, 44. He called him a liar and the father of lies. And, you know, he's not very blatant. I guess sometimes he is, but oftentimes he's subtle. That's the way he operated with Jesus. He operated with Adam and Eve, with Eve in the garden. He's subtle. He'll, he'll misquote God. He'll twist the scriptures so he can talk you into disobeying God. I I wrote something in my notes that I've got to say this morning. And this is going to hit the mark with a few people here today, but you need to hear the man of God. The devil can trick some people into thinking they are still spiritual while they are acting on his lies and being sinful. I have seen it. Doing the wrong thing. Dating the wrong person, moved in with somebody, sleeping with somebody, but come to church, raise their hands, and in their mind, somehow the devil has convinced them, it's okay, you're good, compartmentalize that. That's just your life on Friday night. 
or this is just Sunday. You're a Sunday Christian. Don't worry about the rest of the week. But when you get to church, you know, do that. And so I'm spiritual. I know I'm sp- I know the Bible. I know I, I remember one time I got saved. I believe in the Lord. Great I am. And then you go right back doing what the devil talked you into doing. I got news for you. You're a hypocrite. You're not saved. Because you're not living in the truth, you're walking in the devil's lies. And the people, you don't have to amen me or not, just be stay quiet. But when you walk in the devil's lies, you're not walking in the truth. And the children of God walk in the truth. Say, Pastor, you, whoo, that's strong. You better believe it because it, do you go to work tomorrow? Do you go to work with people and see where people are? Church people, do you go to work with them and see where they are? Because if they were listening to me, they'd all be squitching right now. Because that's what's happened. People, you know, the generation, Generation Z, Generation, the millennials, I'm not making this up. I'm not putting them down. They know I love them. I love millennials. I love Gen Z. My, my sons are in those categories. I love that generation. They know that. That's why there's so many of them in this church. But that generation is raised up. They don't even know that living together is wrong. I've talked to so many of them, and they, they come to church. They, they get under conviction. They want to get saved. They get saved. What do we do now? I said, get married or one of you move out. I do. Yes. Get married or one of you move out. I've had one couple that stood right here. And they, they, they came up. They said, well, I guess we're getting married. I said, you are? They said, yeah. They said, we just got saved, but we've been living together. But you said we got to get married. I said, well, go see the justice of the peace. They'll, they'll do it real quick. There was a day you didn't have to do that. People just knew it was wrong. But now it's the thing to do. You got to do a test run before you get married. Am I preaching where we live or not? But that's the lie of the devil. And until some men of God and people of God stand up and begin to declare the word of the living God, our society is just going to keep going down the toilet drain. But if we will just speak the truth, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set society and people free from the lies of the devil. I'm yelling, but I'm Pentecostal. I got so much to cover. Paul did this. He was Saul. He bragged on how holy he was. Pharisee the Pharisee. According to the law, righteous, blameless. Done everything right my whole life. I'm a goody two-shoes. I'm connected with all the right preachers. I'm an up and coming in the church. It really wasn't the church, it was Judaism. But along comes Jesus, and people in the real church getting saved, people, and, and Saul says, Oh, we got to stop this. And he goes out there and starts persecuting them and arresting them and even killing some of them. Listen to me, bought into the lie of the devil. And he thought he was doing God a favor. Till God knocked him off of his horse. 
on the road to Damascus and said, big boy, you've messed with my people long enough. You want to take me on? Well, that's not what the Bible says. That's the King Chris version. He said, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? How do you like that for King James? I don't preach King James. so how I memorized it. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? See, he didn't even know who God was. Just like a lot of people in our society have no idea. They don't know who God is, but they sure do know who the devil is. All they do is listen to the devil on the media and on the internet. They hear the devil all the time, and that's why when God speaks, he says, ah, there's just too much of it, too many of it. No, no, you don't understand. When God speaks, it drowns out the voice of the devil. When God speaks, there's power in his voice. When God speaks, things happen. When God speaks, the earth trembles and shakes. Don't underestimate the power of God's word. Listen to my notes. I don't know where I'm going right now. Better get back. So how does he, can I preach a little bit? Can we go, can we go down this road a while? How does he operate as the tempter? He targets your flesh and your fleshly desires. Satan knew he couldn't defeat the divine nature of Christ. But he believed he could win against the human nature. And Satan knows that you are a partaker of the divine nature. You know that's in the Bible, right? Second Peter. So he knows that he, he cannot cross the bloodline. He can't make you be unsaved. But what he does know is that you live in a human body, that we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, a jar of clay, and you have a human nature. And those, brothers and sisters, are your vulnerable places. Those are your weak spots. And so he assaults you in the physical areas the emotional areas, the mental areas of your life, the financial areas, the material areas, the relational areas. That's why churches have church problems. They're supposed to be so spiritual. But the devil says, that's all right. I'm not going to bug you while you have church. But after church, when you all have a committee meeting about what color the carpet is, I'm going to talk half of you and it being blue and the other half saying it has to be brown and then we'll have a church split. And some of you have been there in churches where that's happened. You know, for example, you know the devil couldn't touch Job. Everybody know who Job is in the Old Testament, right? Most even sinner people know who Job is. They've heard about the patience of Job. But Job is this guy in the Bible. He's got a whole book written to him in the Old Testament that was righteous and lived God right and served the Lord. The devil shows up one day and, and God's bragging on him. Wouldn't you, wouldn't, you be glad, wouldn't you be glad if God bragged on you in heaven? Some of you are going, ain't no hope for me. He's just up there wishing I get through. He was over St. Peter and says, I, I'm hoping he'll make it. He's bragging to the devil about Job. Job said, Yeah, you put a hedge around him. I can't get to him. Take the hedge down. Let me, I can't get his soul, but let me touch his life. Let me get the non spiritual areas of my, his life. I'll get him to backslide. God said, interesting proposition. Okay, go for it. And took the hedge down. And so the devil attacked the, 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 the vulnerable places. If you don't know the story, he, he attacked his family. There was a tragic death of his children. Lost all of his children one day. The, he attacked his marriage. 
Mrs. Job gave up on God. He attacked his health. He was afflicted with infectious boils. He attacked him financially and materially. He lost all of his wealth. Satan hoped that by attacking those areas, he could get Job to fall spiritually. For the record, it didn't work. Job stayed faithful to God. You don't have to listen to the lies of the devil. Stop listening to the lies of the devil. Let me say this to you. Never fall for the idea, though, that you're too spiritual for the devil to get to you. That's when you'll get in trouble. First, they're going to put this on the screen. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. Therefore, Paul said, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. That's a warning. That's a warning. Adam sinned in paradise. Noah got drunk. Abraham lied. David committed adultery and murder. Peter denied the Lord. Thomas doubted him. You have to stay on your toes. You have to walk in the spirit. You have to deny your flesh. But thank God we can have victory. Because look at the rest of it. But no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. We all face the same ones. But God is faithful. And he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. I'm telling you, you don't have to give in. You don't have to do what the devil tells you to do. You have the power of the Holy Ghost inside of you. There is always an escape hatch. You just have to decide to take it. James 4, 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. So that's how he operates as a tempter. How does he operate as a deceiver? Satan targets your mind. Through deceptive tactics and words, the devil tried to pollute what Jesus knew to be true. And Satan will do the same thing to you. He will lie to you in order to blur the truth. Can I speak a one-liner to you? The truth brings freedom. The devil's lies bring bondage. And, and you will be tied up when you listen to the devil and, op, and, 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 and act on what he says. You will be tied up with worry. You will be tied up with doubt. You will be tied up with fear. You will be tied up with anxiety. You will be tied up with hard feelings. And you will be miserable as you live in your torment. And I was thinking as I was finishing up last night, just going over my notes one more time, so how, how do I know if that's happening? If right now you are bound up in some way, you can't seem to get loose, the, 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 the reality is then you're probably bound up by a devil's lie. But once you accept what God has said is true, those chains fall off. And you, you start walking and living in freedom. You'll sleep at night. Your conscience will be clear, free. You're able to be around people, say things, do things, function, walk in health because you walk in the truth. I'm telling you, there's power in God's word and obeying God's word. The devil tried to plant a seed of doubt in Jesus' mind. He said, if you are the son of God. Well, Jesus was the son of God. 
But Satan hoped Jesus was more centered on his human nature than his divine nature, and he hoped Jesus had forgotten who he was in the divine. How silly. Here's a strategy. The devil will get you to doubt. If he can get you to doubt, you'll buy into his lies. If he can get you to buy into his lies, you'll commit sin. And I've seen the devil try this on so many Christians. If you're in a hard place this morning, don't be shocked if the enemy tries you to get you to doubt the truth. In that hard time, you'll hear a little voice. Well, are you really saved? Have you really changed? Do you really believe all that stuff you read in the Bible? Do you really believe all that stuff you, your godly parents taught you all those years? Do you really believe all that? Are you sure God is hearing your prayers? Does God really care about you and what you're going through? Come on, is it worth it getting up in the morning and going to church? So much easier just stay in bed, stay home. Yeah, I looked at the camera. It's a wonder I have a church. And for everybody watching, if you're home because it's for real reason, praise the Lord, hallelujah. But if you're not, if the shoe fit, go listen to Jensen, I guess. I mean, Stephen Furtick, whoever you. You hear that voice of the devil. Is it worth Living for Jesus. Look at how much you're giving up. Look at all the fun you're missing out on. Do you really want to do? But you'll lose him. She'll break up with you. You'll live in heartache. You're going to be lonely if you don't stay with him. Stop listening to the lies of the devil. been here 24 years this month I'm going to put a group together committee we're going to spend the next year and if Jesus tarries and we all live and make it next year for our 25th we're going to have a gala we're going to have a party we're going to celebrate Lord willing at least what I want to do 24 years the Lord has given me the honor the privilege to pastor a lot of you weren't here then I was 33 years old when we came here in 1999 to Anderson with a call of God to start this church. I was full of vim and vigor and passion and fire and the Holy Ghost and stupidity. Ignorance. Never planted a church. Didn't know what it was. Never built a church. Never gone through a building. Just didn't know squat. But I'd, I'd put on a good front and take it on. And I was burning the candle around both ends, on both ends, around the back and down the middle. And, and my body, one night, I'll never forget it, I was in intercessory prayer over someone in this church. It was in a deep bondage. And I had the first hit of a panic attack, and I didn't know what it was. I shook it off and prayed and thought maybe it was the enemy coming against me. But then one night, late at night, 
won't give you all the details of what I was doing to myself physically. But I was popping pecans, watching late at night, not resting like I should, not eating like I should. And all of a sudden, I had a whoosh go through my body, and I sat up, and I thought, oh, God, what's wrong with me? And I thought I was dying. And I jumped up, and that whoosh hit me, and I thought, oh, God, this is what it feels like to die. And I ran up the stairs, and I hollered for Leah, and she met me, and I collapsed at the top of the stairs, and I said, I'm dying. She said, you're not dying. I said, I'm dying. She said, you're not dying. In other words, I'm not going to let you. Two little kids, you can't die. But That's not how it works, is it? I got in the bed. She had to call, first time in my life, called the EMS. They came, my blood pressure was 220 over 110. Nothing had happened to me. 220, that's stroke level. They rushed me to the, to, the, to the ER, first time that's ever happened in downtown Anderson. They're doing everything. Blood pressure went down. I settled down. They said, there's nothing wrong with you. And they sent me home, and that began a torment of panic attacks. And it got so bad that at the lowest point, and we were in a building program. We were building this building. We were still meeting at T.L. Hanna. Everything was fresh and new. We had taken on a million-dollar debt plus because we purchased this property. Over a million dollars for a 33, 34, whatever I was at the time, probably 34-year-old young man. Never had done, didn't do a lot of things right because I didn't know better. Two Sundays at T. O'Hanna High School, I got up and opened my Bible. That's when I used to have a notepad. I opened my Bible to read my text. As I started to read, I had full, a full-blown panic attacks where I thought I was dying. I shut the Bible and rushed off the stage and left them there. And people up the stage had to come up and just cover and deal with it. I didn't care. When I hit my lowest point, I had a full-blown panic attack. I went home, and, and I fell in the floor in our bedroom. Leah wasn't there, and I had hit the bottom. I was, I, was, I was messed up in my mind. I didn't know what was causing it. I didn't know how to stop it, and I was at a breaking point. I'm being transparent this morning. I was not in the fetal position, but I was close My lowest point, I can, I can see it. I don't have to close my eyes. I can replay it. That stinking, rotten, filthy devil showed up in my bedroom, and I could hear his voice. While I'm laying there weeping and crying and all messed up, broken and in a blithering, blithering mess, I heard the devil say, mm-hmm, got you now, big boy. I'm going to destroy you. Look at you. I've just about done it. I'm going to take you out. Your ministry's over. Your life is over. And after I'm done with you, I'm going after this church of yours. You made all those promises. You preached all that vision, but I'm going to destroy it. I'm going to tear it up. And when I get through, there will be no high praises. You just wait and see what I'm about to do to it. That's what I heard. I know what I'm talking about when I'm preaching today. I called my wife. I said, get home. It was January. I said, I'm going to Myrtle Beach. I'm getting out of this town. I'm going to a hotel. I don't know if I'm coming back. If you want to go with me, fine. If not, I'm leaving. She got a sitter for Jaron. Evan was just probably three. 
She rushed home. I'm throwing stuff in the suitcase. I'm not waiting on her. She's scrambling, trying to get stuff together, following me to the car. And I get in the car, and I weep for a four- or five-hour drive, whatever it takes to get to Myrtle Beach. I cried all the way down. I got in a motel, and there's nothing to do in Myrtle Beach in January. And three days, I stayed in a motel room, and it could not stop crying. I was broken. I had been through some physical tests. The doctor called me and said, there's nothing wrong with you. You've got a slight hyaluronic hernia, but that's it. There's nothing physically wrong with you. And the devil tried to take me out. Well, I guess I ran out of money. Because I only stayed three days. He got in the car and started back. I'm crying. I can't stop crying. I'm broken. I'm a mess. My father called me. I said, son, what's going on? I don't think I'd even told dad. And I told him, weeping. And my dad disclosed to me. Because his generation, the next generation, you didn't, you didn't do things like I'm doing today. You didn't do that. But he disclosed to me that he had thought it. He said, son, I think some of this is generic. Or genetic, rather. He said, some is genetic. He said, because I, he said, your grandfather had. I said, dad, you've never told me this. He said, yeah. He said, but a lot of it, I think, is spiritual. And he said, son, don't you lay down on the devil. You get up and fight. I said, dad, I don't have any fight left in me. My dad said, son, you got to get up and fight. You can't lay down or the devil destroy you. You've got to get back up. He said, get in that pulpit Sunday. I said, I can't. I said, I can't even read the text. He said, if you're not up there but five minutes, get in that pulpit and don't let the devil win. I got back. God gave me a message. Wasn't much of one. Third Sunday in a row, I got up. I had prayed. I had sought God. I said, God, don't let the devil destroy me. Don't let the devil destroy this church. Somehow, give me a sign. Give me victory. That morning, by the power of the Holy Ghost, I got in that pulpit. I read my text. No panic attack. I started preaching. No panic attack. I got about 10 minutes through, and I started feel one coming on. I said, would you stand, please? I called an altar call and let people start praying, and I got out of there. But in that 10 minutes, I got the victory. That 10 minutes, I showed the devil, you're not going to win. Right now, your lies are greater than the truth. I don't understand. They didn't understand panic attacks back then. They didn't understand anxiety like they do now. Very few people would talk about it. I was doing research everywhere I could trying to get the truth. The devil was taking advantage of me not knowing the truth through his lies. But the more I learned, the one thing I did know is, is God is in control. God is in control. That's the only thing I could bank on is that's the truth. The devil's not in control. God is in control. My God, somebody give him praise this morning. What do you do when the devil is whispering his lies into your ear? You stand on God's word. And here's the truth. The devil was wrong. He said he was going to destroy me, but God wasn't going to let him. 
He said he was going to destroy this church, but God had a plan, God had a people, and God wasn't going to let him. God had something moving greater than the devil. And here's what happened. God brought me through that season, and since then, I still have to fight panic attacks. I still have to be careful. But what he did through my low season, and by giving me victory through the truth, God has used me to his glory time and time again to help countless people who have suffered anxiety and suffered panic attacks and they call me and say, Pastor, I know you've said you've been through this. Can I meet with you? And I've been able to give them guidance and give them direction and liberate them with the truth and the truth has set them free. You see that, my God, I'm about to shout. The devil thought he was going to win, but the truth prevailed and here I am today, 24 years later, still preaching and here this church is today doing mighty things in Anderson and around. My God, look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord has done. Look what the Lord is doing. Stop listening to the lies of the devil. Get you some fight and say, I'm going to stand in the truth. Can I preach just a few more minutes? I'm about to close. Jesus was the word, but he had to quote the word to defeat the devil. That's what I did. I had to go back to the Bible. I had to go back to what God had said. I had to go back to those things that God had shown me for two years before I planted this church. I had to go back to the reality of God and see things through God's eyes. That's why you, you got to stay in the Bible. Listen to me. This is why you must read your Bible. Are you hearing the man of God today? Read your Bible. This is why you study your Bible. This is why you ought to memorize the Bible. This is why you ought to be able to quote the Bible. This is why you ought to listen to preachers and teachers who faithfully exhort the Bible because it is written will shut up the devil. You cannot argue with God's truth and decorations. I'm I'm just going to go to this last point. Y'all come on, musicians, come out, come out, wherever you are. Start playing softly, please. There's a verse in the Bible, Romans 12, 2. Somebody needs this today. Romans 12, 2 says, be not conformed. Don't be conformed to this world. But be transformed. How many know if you're transformed is because Jesus saves you? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that a good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You can know what it is that God wants you to do. I don't want the devil to have his way. I want God to have his way. I don't want the devil's will. I want God's will. By the renewing of your mind. I read something one time. I don't bring this to you. It is a mental renovation. Did you know that your brain can be rewired all the time? Neuroscience would translate Romans 12, 2, as retranscribing neuroplastically. Retranscribing neuroplastically. Neuroplasticity is the ability of all of us in our minds to change and adapt through growth 
and experiences and knowledge. We change and adapt. Your brain rewires. And so there is neuroplasticity where you learn something. Your brain says at four, anything red is fun to touch until you touch a hot eye on a stove. Ow! And there's a rewiring in your brain that says, but don't touch that red thing. Retranscribing neuroplastically. Brothers and sisters, I don't care what the devil's told you, what lies he said to you, what you've bought into that even has become part of your lifestyle. I'm here to tell you today, if God says stop it, or if God says start doing something, if God says you can change, you don't have to be that way, listen to me, you can change and you don't have to be that way. Because the power of the Holy Spirit and the presence of God in you will rewire your brain many of y'all, yeah, give him praise. Give him praise for his power. Stand with me. I, I got to get you up because I want to get you down here. How many of you remember when you got saved? Put, put your hands down. Let me do this. I, 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 if you feel like you don't mind doing this because we don't want, but it would help me in my sermon. How many of you say, Pastor, before I got saved, I was a heathen. Let me see your hand. Okay, look at all the heathens. And it's put your hands down. You were heathen. You were heathen. We're not going to review everything you said, thought, and did, and your mental process. But will you testify with another raised hand that when God saved you, there was an instant, instant retranscribing neuroplastically, and all of a sudden everything changed in your life? How many can raise their hand and say, I became a different person almost overnight? You're right. How, put your hands down. How does that happen? How do you take an alcoholic and he gets up and says, I don't want to ever drink anymore? How do you take a guy that smokes six packs of cigarettes a day and he gets up and says, I don't want that anymore and never smokes them again? How do you take a person who is mean to his wife and says ugly things to her and he goes home the night that he gets saved and now he calls her honey and sweetie and treats her like she's the dearest thing in the world and his wife can't figure it out? It's the transforming power of Jesus Christ. He rewires our mind. And if he can do that when you get saved, he can do that for you now that you are saved. Stop listening to the lies of the devil. Be set free by the power of the Holy Ghost. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings in person or online at 10 a.m. For more information or to watch our services online, please visit us at www.highpraises.org or check us out on social media.